welcome back to the I'm Moving to Italy podcast. This is Nathan Heinrich, and I would like to welcome you back to Season 4, Episode 25. Well, we have come to the end of our fourth season. Where did the time go, my friends? The podcast has grown so much. Just in the last six months, it has doubled in, in listenership. And just when I start to think, okay, well, I think this chapter is coming to an end, and I think it's time for the next chapter to begin, I start getting a little bit melancholy with the thought of stepping away from this podcast. So as of right now, just to give you a quick update, I'm planning on doing season five as we normally would do it with the weekly episodes. And then I'm planning on probably continuing, but maybe with a slightly different format. And I've spoken with Vera. Vera says that in whatever capacity we continue this podcast, she is on board, enthusiastically on board, which really made me feel good. And I was I was so happy about that. Vera has only been with us, well, we met her in season three, but she joined the podcast just in this last season, season four. And I have to say, she has improved it and she has brought so much to it. I can't even imagine doing it without her now. And I'm just so grateful that Vera has joined us. I'm so grateful for you and every one of you that's new to the podcast who have joined us. And I know that some of you listen to the podcast when you discover it, you listen to it in a couple different ways. Some of you are very militant about starting chronologically from the very beginning and going all the way through. And I can understand that approach because I'm kind of a chronological person myself. So if I find a new podcast, depending on what the topic is and depending on how far back the recordings and the episodes go, I try to go back. This is a slightly different type of podcast than most podcasts because this is not an informational podcast per se. This is more of a sort of a journey type of podcast. So some of you listen to the podcast chronologically, though, getting back to that, and some of you who join the podcast, you immediately start listening to the most recent episodes and then you sort of work your way towards the middle where you listen to the new ones as they come out, but you're also catching up on the old ones. Anyway, I think it's great. Whatever works for you. The fortunate thing about jumping in where we are now and being current is you definitely hear a better version of the podcast than the early days. I'd like to very just quickly tell you that I have a bit of a cold or something. I don't know what it is. It's some strange thing. I'm, I, I really feel like I've been getting sick uh, more often than I should and more often than I ever have. And I don't like that. Um, it's a bit concerning. I got COVID last year and then right around Thanksgiving, I got that horrible, horrible flu. And now I've got some sort of a deep bronchial thing in my lungs that's this weird rattling thing that's going on in my lungs. I've never had anything like it. And I'm trying to figure out like what's going on? Why am I getting sick? Getting sick every couple of years used to be the norm for me. Now I'm getting sick multiple times a year. That's just not that's not my thing. That's not normal for me. And I've been doing a little bit of research, and I think I've actually figured out what one of the contributing factors is, or at least I believe I have. And I think I'm really low on vitamin D. 
And I, in fact, I know I am because the only time I go outside when I'm not going shopping or running errands, which I usually do in the evening if I can, after dark, the only time I'm outside is early in the morning to go for a walk or a run or late at night to go for a very, very late night walk up to the castle. And that's it. And I realized that I'm spending so much time these days in front of the computer. I'm writing so many articles and writing articles for myself, contributing to articles for other publications and working on other projects. I'm just spending so much time in front of the computer, which is like my least favorite thing in the world to do, by the way. my Of all the things that I do in front of the computer, this what I'm doing right now is my most favorite thing because it's the most natural of all the things that I do, but sitting for hours and hours typing, you know, trying to make sure your posture is not all out of whack and and everything. So I've, con I've, I've figured out that what's going on with me is I am really deficient in vitamin D. I've got all the symptoms of it. I've got every single symptom of vitamin D deficiency that you can have. I've got it. Your forehead is sometimes sweaty. I'm having trouble with my sleep and I'm feeling lethargic and I'm feeling low energy. I'm just having all of these horrible symptoms and part of it is because it's so cold here. I would be spending time outside if it wasn't so cold, but it's so cold. I was thinking, okay, I'm moving to Italy from New York. I'm moving to Italy. It's going to be so wonderful. It's so warm. You know, Italy is just this warm place of sunshine and Mediterranean weather. And it's it's true for some parts of Italy, but it is not true for where I am here in Italy. So even when I do go outside, it's not like I can get a whole lot of vitamin D absorption on my skin because my skin is all covered up because it's cold. It's I'm like wearing scarves, hats coats and and like all my warm clothes there's no shorts and short sleeve shirts going on so anyway after realizing this yesterday i was like okay i've got to do something every single day i'm going to be making a point of getting out and getting vitamin d every day for at least an hour during the day today i went outside and i walked to the to the river that goes through town and i laid on the bank of the river and I took off my sweatshirt, even though it was kind of chilly. I took off my sweatshirt and I just laid there and tried to absorb a little bit of vitamin D. Alessandro is so great about making sure I take magnesium and vitamin D and all these supplements when I'm with him. But when he's not here, I just sort of, I'm just sort of freewheeling it. And I, I'm not great about taking care of myself when it takes comes to taking pills. I don't like taking pills of any kind. And so when we're living just normal life, he's always, every day, he's pushing, you know, a handful of supplements in front of me. And one of them is vitamin D and magnesium, which help each other to absorb and all that stuff. And it's, I just realized that's what's going on. That I'm, And I, I really, truly believe that the reason I've been getting sick is because my immune system is not as, as sort of fortified and strong as it should be. And you really do need vitamin D for so many things. I didn't realize how important vitamin D was. And I even went through this once, not, not quite to this extent, but I did go through this a little bit when we were in New York because I'm, I'm a California kid, you know, and I, I'm used to warm winters. Winters are over in February. 
They sort of begin in December and they are over in February and all the almonds are in bloom and all the fruit trees in California and everything's blooming in the middle of February, right at the, right at the time of my birthday. There's a big pear tree in our yard at my parents' house. My mom always sends me a picture of it and says, your birthday tree is blooming because, you know, right in the middle of February, that pear tree is in full bloom. Well, that's just not the case in New York and that's not the case here in Northern Italy. So it's just one more reminder that I really would like to be somewhere where I can get enough vitamin D. And there's also something I want to create at whatever house, whatever property down in Southern Italy we get. I want to have a place that's like a greenhouse or a sunroom or an atrium. I'm just, I'm dreaming of this scene. Like I'm picturing myself doing yoga or doing something, mat workouts, or maybe just meditating in front of this big wall of glass with surrounded by plants, looking out and just having the sun warm me through the window so I'm not outside in the cold, but I'm getting enough vitamin D sitting in front of these windows and surrounded by all my plants that are inside for the winter getting protected. So that's what I'm picturing, and that's what I think would be so amazing if I could figure out a way to to make that happen. If any of you listening to this have experience or some knowledge or some tips about getting your necessary amount of sunlight during winter months, if you live in a cold climate, if you have some tips, let me know because I'm trying to figure out like how much vitamin D really can you really absorb in the winter when you're outside wearing a coat, gloves, scarf, and your only thing is exposed is your face, maybe your hands if you're not wearing gloves, but that's just not much for, you, for the sun to work with to give you your vitamin D that you need even more during the winter months because that's when you're most prone to getting sick. Anyway, enough about that, but please uh, forgive my weird sounding voice, my raspy throat, and my stuffy nose. Living in Italy is a wonderful thing, but it also comes with a whole bunch of downsides. Let's just be real about it. And it's not just Italy, by the way. It's it's living far away from home. Now, I experienced this already when I was living in New York. I was already on the opposite side of the country from California, where my family is. And so anytime I wanted to go home, it wasn't like get in the car and just drive home. I, it was get on an airplane, book a ticket and plan a trip and get on an airplane. Well, now that is still the case, but it's even more complicated to try to get home. This week, uh, just a couple days ago, I got a phone call from my mom and she said, your grandmother is in the hospital. And uh, those are like the calls that you just dread getting. And you dread them no matter what. It doesn't matter whether you live in the same town as your family or whether you're across the world on the other side of the, the globe from them. It doesn't matter. They're dreaded phone calls and they're, they're, they're the last thing you ever want to hear. But it's even harder, I can tell you from firsthand experience, it's even harder when you are not within easy reach. Now, if at any moment there was an emergency, I am one day away from home. I'm 24 hours away from getting home. But, you know, that's perfect. That's best case scenario. 
What if you can't get a flight that soon? Or what if you're in the middle of something you can't break away, but it complicates life. I'm gonna just keep it very real with you. If you've got family of any kind, doesn't matter what ages they are, any age, you know, accidents happen, sickness happens, but not just those, not just the bad things, also all the good things happen too. Birthdays, celebrations, anniversaries, graduations, all those amazing things also happen too, and you're not there for those things either. So this weekend was another reminder of of what it's really like to be that far away from home and to only visit home like maybe once or twice a year at the most. And it kind of bummed me out, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, my gram, you've met her if you've listened to the interview I did with her in, I think it was maybe season two. You've listened to her. You, I talk about her all the time. She's popped into surrounding sounds a few times here and there. She is just one of my favorite human beings on this planet. Her and I have, well, I mean, of course, I've known her my whole life, and she's been in my life and part of my life forever. She's 85. She's as tough as they come, but she's also a tiny little 100-pound woman. 100 pounds is about 45 kilograms, so that just gives you an idea of what a tiny little person she is. And she's... She's still strong. She listens to this podcast. Sometimes she'll tell me, I just listened to your most recent podcast, but why are you talking so fast? You're talking so fast, I can't even understand you. I'm like, Graham, you must have changed the setting on your on your podcast player because there's a way to play the podcast twice as fast, 1.5 times as fast, 1.25 times as fast. So anyway, somehow she had the setting set to play twice as fast as what I talk, and I talk fairly slow, so if some of you fast forward my voice, I understand, but she she couldn't listen to, you know, one of the, one or two of the most recent ones, because she had her settings uh, kind of messed up, but she listens to the podcast, hi Graham, if you happen to listen to this episode, hi Graham, love you, anyway, so I got a phone call from my mom, she's like, your Graham's in the hospital, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, just kind of holding my breath and not wanting to get bad news. And it turns out that she had gotten dehydrated. It's a pretty normal thing to do during the winter when you live alone. And, and she doesn't just, she's not one of those people that's ever been a big drinker of water. I, I go through so much water. I'm always going and refilling my water bottles. And I, I, I can't even hardly, I, sometimes I almost wonder if it's healthy how much water I drink. So... It's hard for me to really imagine somebody who doesn't drink water because I feel like, you know, I'm just always drinking water. And uh, But she has a hard time remembering to do that. She always has. And so she got dehydrated. She kind of pushed herself past her limit. And she had a whole bunch of appointments. And she she doesn't eat enough as it is because that's just what she... She lives alone. And, you know, it's when you live by yourself and... You get a little older, it's hard to like cook and especially because you cook for one person. I, I mean, I live, I'm living by myself. I can tell you that cooking can sometimes be a, a pleasure, but sometimes it can be a real hassle. So she doesn't cook enough. She's not eating enough. She's not drinking enough. And she got dehydrated and ended up having a lot of pain in her intestines. And the pain was so severe that it sort of frightened her. 
and she wears one of these life alert things around her neck. So if there was any problem that she had, she just pushes that button and it calls an ambulance. Somebody comes on a, a speaker, they can talk to her directly. She doesn't have to try to find her phone and make a phone call. So she called and had them come and pick her up and take her to the hospital because this pain was so bad she didn't know what it was. So she's been in the hospital for the last couple of days dealing with that and they've got her rehydrated and you know she's just talking about bringing a bed in one of the downstairs rooms she has she lives in a really beautiful large home that she built herself of course and it's got an elevator in it and and she's sort of planned for this uh, sort of chapter in her life so that she would still have access to the second floor of her house that's where her bedroom is if she ever found herself needing a wheelchair, she could wheel herself in and out of the, the elevator to go upstairs to her room. But now she's talking about moving downstairs. And, you know, I, I, I think she's just in a low place. And it, it, I've talked to her twice on the phone since she's been in the hospital. And she doesn't sound great. And it just, I don't know, it's it's a bit of a downer. And I'm feeling sick right now, and she's in the hospital, and I'm just having a little bit of a kind of a down couple of days, just to keep it super real with you. And I'm, I'm, you know, not letting it stop me from what I need to do. I mean, I, I'm sitting here talking to you, and I've been continuing on with my work, but it's it's sad. And you just need to know if you're planning to move here. You just need to know. You need to factor this into your decision. I'm not saying you should reconsider. I'm just saying you really need to figure out a way to stay connected. Now, I really work hard with the people that I really love and that mean the most to me, that I'm the most connected to. I do my best to stay connected. I talk to Graham at least two or three times a week and we FaceTime each other. So we're having a face-to-face -face conversation and we talk for an hour at a time. And we get completely caught up on our lives. And it's not quite the same as me sitting in the same room with her. But I get to talk to her about my life. She gets to tell me about hers. And that sort of bridges the gap. That makes it livable, tolerable to be that far away from her and the other people that I love. And so just be aware that this this will the day will come where you face the same thing too. Unless you are at a chapter in life where maybe maybe you don't have kids or grandkids and you're retired well then you're probably going to have a different experience than what i'm having and that's good because you already know that but i'm sure wherever you're from there are people whether it's siblings or cousins family members or friends whoever that you're going to want to stay connected to and you're going to miss out seeing them so just try to figure out a way to stay connected because it's it really does make a difference. And you don't want to be in your new, beautiful country, in your new home, in your new life, and sort of feel like, oh man, like, now what? <laughs> I'm here, and it's and it's great. The weather's wonderful, and food's wonderful, and the, the buildings and, and everything, the art is fantastic, the culture is great, but the people that I love, the people who have known me my whole life, they're not here. So just just keep that in your mind. I think Graham's going to be okay. I will give you an update 
in the, our next episode and, and let you know how she is. But uh, just send her your thoughts and prayers and let's hope that she gets out of that hospital and gets back on her feet soon because I, I do want to get to California soon and, and spend some time with her. That's what's going on. I'm low on vitamin D. I'm feeling a little bit sick. My gram's in the hospital. But we have just finished season four. Thanks for sharing these last two years and these last two seasons. We have just hit 100 episodes together. That's pretty amazing. That's 100 episodes. That's well over 100 hours. That's about 150 hours or more that we have spent together. I haven't spent that much time with anybody but Alessandro for the last two years. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my life with you. I really, really am sharing my life with you. There are so many friends in my life who I don't get to see, family members. I don't get to see them. I don't get to share time with them, friends and family. And of course, many of them don't listen to this podcast because why would they? It's not really, it's not really for friends and family. It's for people moving to Italy. And uh, I don't expect anybody. In fact, I almost prefer it if my friends and family don't listen. But I know some of you do. I know some of you do listen to this podcast. So hello. Hello. I see you, John, driving to the gym. And I see you, Graham, listening from your living room. And I see, I know who is listening. Okay. I just had to take another coughing break. So that means that's a sign that it's time to stop talking and get on to our next segment, which is our wonderful weekly segment with Vera. In the last episode, Vera and I visited a bar, and we had a little experience, and it was kind of fun doing that, and so we decided we would do another sort of version of that this week. And I won't do this all the time, because it's actually, even though it sounds really simple, it's really difficult to edit, because I'm not an expert editor. It's a bit challenging to edit these episodes with background noises in them, and but it's so fun we're gonna go someplace new today so let's go say hello to vera this is our weekly segment la vera italia ciao vera welcome back to another segment of la vera italia ciao giorgio Uh, sorry i meant nathan how are you (laughs) molto bene grazie lavinia i mean uh vera excuse me Vera, we had a really good time in our last segment with you doing our silly skit that we did at Bar Giorgio. That was fun. It was. And how would you feel about returning back again this week and having a slightly different experience somewhere else in that same little city in Tuscany with me? I can't wait. What are we doing today? Well, we're going to just do the same thing we did last week where we snap our fingers and we're going to arrive somewhere and I think this time though we're going to arrive at a restaurant I love restaurants yeah let's do it that sounds like a good idea now are we going to do an Italian question or are we just going to have so many Italian questions in this segment that we don't need one this time well I do have a question since we're talking about restaurants today because I genuinely want to know qual è la cosa più strana che secondo te Noi italiani mangiamo in Italia. Okay, I think you just said, according to you, or in your opinion, what is the strangest thing that Italians eat in Italy? Yeah. Secondo me, la cosa più strana che mangiano gli italiani 
è carne di asino o carne di cavallo. Mm-hmm. So you think the weirdest thing we eat is donkey or horse meat? 100%. Well, 100%. No question about it. I mean, octopus, everything else that is on Italian menus, there's nothing more strange to me or almost more horrifying to me than the idea of eating donkey meat or horse meat. But that's a very cultural di- difference and no judgment, just strange. So you think that eating testicles, it's normal? Because we do that in Italy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Vera, I have a cold right now. You can't make me laugh and cough like that. Oh, my gosh. It was not a joke. I know it's not a joke, but I have never been um, offered that (laughs) at any restaurant or at anyone's home. So I've never I've never experienced that horror yet is that something that's regularly on your menu at home no no i never had those but it's something we we actually do and it depends where you are in italy it's not found in restaurants like nice restaurants it's usually maybe food stands or at home you know Mm. and you have a lot of these in sardinia for example or central italy or the south but it's yeah, it's not that weird. Along with all kind of organs. I don't know. It's with the fat, the lard. I have never had horse meat, but I know a lot of people do. There are a lot of special uh, butchers that only sell horse meat, for example. But I wouldn't go as far as eating testicles or, yeah, all this p- p- pancreas or whatever. No, that's too much for me. Wow. I, I find that very interesting. I mean, every culture has that. And there are things that we would never eat and other cultures do. So it's just because you're not used to it and you never saw it. We eat rabbit, we eat donkey and horse. So it's. I know it's, yeah, it's just a, it's a, I was shocked to discover that. I think that was the most surprising thing to me. I don't know. Maybe it's because uh, Americans have given such personalities to donkeys like we also have the horses we we give they're they're in stories they're in i don't know yeah but they apparently we don't have any trouble eating lamb or, yeah, or, or, poor or, or, mary or, or, she had a cow. little lamb <laughs> i know mary had a little lamb and it went right into the oven well that's very interesting and that was a great question and i'm really looking forward please forgive me i've got uh, a little bit of bronchitis right now i'm fighting so my voice is going from bad to worse. I'm going to try not to cough too much during this, but I'm really looking forward to seeing where we end up after we snap our fingers today, because last time we ended up in my little bar as an American trying to serve coffee to an Italian. I was Giorgio last week, and of course, I was serving Lavinia, who was the mayor's wife, so let's see what happens today when we try the same thing again, where we snap our fingers. Let's see where we go. You ready? I am. Let's go. Okay. Lavinia? Oh, Giorgio. Ma cosa ci fai qui? Ciao, Lavinia. Come stai? Bene, bene, ma... Non sapevo che stasera fossi a mangiare qui da me nel mio ristorante. Eh, questo ristorante è il tuo? 
Sì, non lo sapevi? No. Ho aperto questo ristorante cinque anni fa. No. Sì. Ti piace? Ah, sì, mi piace, è bellissimo. Wow. Complimenti. È la prima volta che vieni. Sì, sì. Si chiama In mezzo ai bricchi. In mezzo ai bricchi. Tu sei americano, quindi questa parola non la conosci di sicuro, perché si usa molto soprattutto al nord, in Piemonte. Io vengo dal Piemonte e significa in mezzo al nulla. Come dite voi, americani? In the middle of nowhere. Ah, sì, ho capito. Wow. Però, in the middle of nowhere, un bel ristorante. Grazie, grazie. Ma hai prenotato? No. Mm. Sei da solo? Sì, sì, solo io. Allora fammi controllare, ti trovo subito un tavolino, eh? Fammi vedere. Scusate, sì, abbiamo un tavolo per uno, vero? C'è qui Giorgio, quello che ha aperto il bar nuovo, l'americano, quello là che ha aperto il bar, ok? Sì, sì, perfetto. Vieni Giorgio, accomodati. Ah, gentile, gentile, grazie mille. Eh, la vendia? Sì. Il bancone è perfetto per me. Oh Gesù, Maria e tutti quanti, ma cosa stai dicendo? Ma sei proprio americano, non si mangia al bancone in un ristorante. No, 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 no. no. Oh, mi scusi, mi scusi, però per me non è nessun problema. Per me è un problema, non c'è un bancone al ristorante. Ok, ok, ok. È un tavolo, piccolo tavolo? Solo tavoli. In Italia ti siedi al tavolo con calma e resti almeno due ore. Ok. <ride> Capito. Devi imparare come funzionano le cose in Italia. Non esiste mangiare al bancone. Quello lo fai da McDonald's. <ride> Ho capito. Sì, no, no, questo uh, ovviamente non è un McDonald's, non è fast food. No, non è un fast food. Ti porto dell'acqua intanto, Giorgio, preferisci naturale o frizzante? Ah, oh, un frizzante, per favore. Mm -hmm. Però, mi scusi, un sì. bottiglia grande, per favore. Sì, una bottiglia da un litro e mezzo, perfetto. Perfetto, grazie. E intanto ti lascio il menù e la lista dei vini, va bene? Sì. Ecco l'acqua. Grazie. Hai già scelto che cosa mangiare? No, però... Um, qual è il tuo preferito? Beh, chiaramente tutti i miei piatti sono fantastici. <ride> Immagino. Sono tutti i miei preferiti perché ho proprio scelto i miei piatti preferiti sia dal Piemonte, quindi la regione da cui vengo, sia toscani perché viviamo in Toscana. E quindi innanzitutto dipende, cosa vuoi fare? Antipasto primo e secondo oppure un antipasto e un primo o un primo e un secondo, antipasto e secondo, tu che cosa preferisci? Hmm, bella domanda. Um, um... Antipasto è un secondo, per favore. Noi abbiamo soprattutto carne, perché io amo la carne, un po' di tutto. 
come antipasto puoi avere una tartare, per esempio. Conosci la tartare? Sì, però tartare come tartare carne o tartare pesce? Tartare di carne. Ok. Sì, sì, tartare, però non tartare asino, vero? No, 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 no. Abbiamo la tartare di vitello, ovviamente, e se vuoi la tartare di cervo. Cioè, ah, interessante, uh, tartare di cervo. Uh-huh. Prima volta. Sì. Oh, è, è molto buona, a me piace moltissimo. Ok, perfetto, sì, sì. E invece come secondi puoi scegliere tra un abrasato oppure un semplice filetto, una tagliata, una tagliata al rosmarino, una tagliata con il tartufo, con i funghi. Mm, tartufo, buonissimo. Altrimenti c'è il cinghiale, cinghiale in umido. Um, tagliata ai funghi, per favore. Perfetto. E vado a dirlo in cucina, intanto puoi guardare i vini. Ok, grazie. Hai scelto il vino, Giorgio? Sì, uh, vino rosso, per favore. Sì, certo, vino rosso perché hai ordinato solo carne, è eh, ovvio. Sì, sì. Ma vuoi un vino del Piemonte? Vuoi un vino toscano? Mm. Eh, Piemonte, vino di Piemonte, per favore. Eh, qual è il tuo preferito per, per vino di Piemonte? Ma sicuramente il Barolo è il vino rosso migliore, famoso in tutto il mondo, è una delle DOCG italiane. Però forse, visto anche che sei da solo e che andrebbero magari sempre aperti un po' prima, eccetera, io ti consiglierei un Barbera, magari un Barbera d'Asti. Anche questo è molto molto buono. Uh, la venia sì. è possibile uh, faccio un sorprese va bene ti faccio una sorpresa sì mi fido di te scegli tu per favore va bene torno subito mm. il vino è buono buono delizioso mm-hmm. allora va bene questo e adesso la cameriera ti porta subito la tartare. Allora, Giorgio, com'è andata la cena? Ti è piaciuto? Ah, la vigna. Bravissima, buonissimo. Grazie mille per il consiglio. Ah, sono contenta che il vino ti sia piaciuto, che la tagliata ti sia piaciuta, i funghi e tutto quanto. Mi sono permessa di farti portare il dessert, offre la casa ovviamente, e ti ho fatto portare un tris di dolci, così puoi provare tutti e tre i nostri dessert migliori. Abbiamo ovviamente il tiramisù, però un po' rivisitato, un tiramisù in chiave più moderna. Poi abbiamo la panna cotta al caramello salato ovviamente, e poi dei biscotti secchi tipici del Piemonte che sono i crumiri e dei biscotti secchi tipici della Toscana che sono i cantucci. Ecco qua. E ti ho portato anche un po' di vino dolce, del vino da dessert. Oh, wow! <ride> Tre dolci! Brava! Grazie mille, Elvenia. Il vino dolci, vero? 
Sì, un vino dolce, un vino da dessert. Ti ho portato un vin santo che è tipico della Toscana. Mmm, vin santo, buono, buono. Grazie mille. Fantastico. Questo ristorante è favoloso. Bravo, Gra- bravo. Grazie mille. Grazie per tutti, Lavinia. Bravissimo, buonissimo. Grazie, grazie mille. E, e il conto, per favore? E arriva subito. Ecco qui, allora ti ho fatto un pochino di sconto, quello l'ho offerto io, quindi sono 75 euro per favore. Oh, grazie, gentile. Tornerò sicuramente tutte le domeniche perché il giorno di chiuserà del mio bar, tu invece sei aperta. Oh, mi fa molto molto piacere e io sicuramente tornerò al tuo bar. Grazie mille, grazie mille. Buona serata. Allora ci vediamo presto, Giorgio. Ciao. Buona serata. Ciao, ciao. Buonanotte. Well, that was fun, Vera. <laughs> And if you really did own a restaurant, even if your name wasn't Lavinia, I would certainly be a regular, probably even more often than just on Sundays. And even if I owned a bar or not that was opened or closed, I would still be a regular because that sounds like the most delicious meal ever. Now, for those who understood, bravo to you, because that's amazing. I didn't even understand some of those things that were on the menu that Veda was talking about. So Veda, would you mind walking us through what happened during that interaction and then what was on the menu that you decided to pick out and bring to Giorgio? Okay, so first of all, I was there in my restaurant and I heard someone calling my name and it was you, the new barman in town, Giorgio. And I didn't know you were coming and you didn't know I owned a restaurant. I asked if you had a reservation. You said no. And so I talked with a waiter and said, can we find a table for one just for Giorgio? He's the American guy, you know, the one who opened the cafe here. So we have to find him a table or something like that. I don't know. And uh, of course, we found you a table and you were so kind because you were willing to sit at the bar so that we didn't have to, you know, just find a table for you or set the table because maybe it was not ready yet. But I literally screamed at you because that's a big no, no, no in Italy. Restaurants do not have bars. So you you don't eat at the bar in a restaurant because I told you this already. For us, food is the most important thing in the world. You don't see us eating while walking, for example. We might have just a bite, you know, a sandwich or something, but we sit down somewhere and we just enjoy the moment. So going to a restaurant where you are served the most decadent dishes and having them sitting uncomfortably on a stool facing a wall, No, no, you just, you just don't. It's just something that it's forbidden. That, that's the word, that's forbidden. So okay. never ever ask to be seated at the bar or say, I don't care, I can eat standing or even, yeah, maybe take that away to eat outside on a bench. No, not for restaurants. Okay. After I scolded you for 
the audacity to ask to sit at the, the, the bar. Um, I probably ask you, oh yeah, first, what kind of water you wanted? You said sparkling, frizzante, and you asked for a big bottle. And I guess the big bottle is 1.5 liters. I have no idea in ounces, gallons, whatever you use still, but the bigger bottles we sell here. <coughs> and well, we didn't talk about that, but obviously no ice in the water. Okay, we just bring you the glass and maybe the glass is even warm because it was just in the dishwasher. <laughs> and water, water from the fridge. So the water is cold, but no ice. And you could ask for ice, of course. Um, every restaurant has ice because they use it for some uh, whiskeys or some cocktails at the very end, but just, just don't. Because when water is too cold, it doesn't... It's not good with your food, you know, and then it doesn't sit well, it doesn't sit well. So we, we just don't, we don't, don't drink ice cold water. So that was it. Then I left you with the menus and then I asked you what you wanted to eat first. Okay. We didn't talk about the wine yet because I wanted you to tell me what you wanted to eat first. That's something very important. In Italy, we never, ever choose the wine before the food because each uh, wine pairs to certain kinds of food. So I actually, my restaurant, as I probably told you at one point, serves mostly meat because it's something I really like. La Vigna, like me, Vera, is original from Piedmont, but she lives in Tuscany. Well, I mean, I know I said I'm from Lake Como, but my grandparents were from Piedmont. Because if someone knows Italian geography, they're like, what is she talking about? Okay, now, my grandparents, so I grew up there a lot. It's like part of my family. Anyway, so uh, from Piedmont, living in Tuscany, so meat is a big deal. And I love meat personally. And then I asked you, what would you like to have? Antipasto primo and secondo, so the full menu, or just an antipasto and a primo, or a primo and a secondo. So I wanted to get an idea of what you wanted to have. And uh, you went for antipasto and secondo. So I told you that uh, as an antipasto, you could have a tartare. I um, gave you three different antipasti you could choose from, and you chose. Mm -hmm. Bold choice, something really brave you did there. You chose Tartar di cervo. Now, tartar is tartar is raw meat, right? Tiny, tiny slice pieces of deer because cervo is deer. And yeah, it's not that common, not even in Italy. It is uh, where game is a meat, is a big thing, like in Piedmont, Trentino, so where the Alps are. But even here in Tuscany sometimes, where you have a lot of wild animals around. And usually it's eaten cooked, but can also be a tartare and it's just the best. Uh, the first time I had it, it's like, oh, wow, this is so tender. It like smells in your mouth and I would have never guessed it. I mean, it was like, wow, the best. Anyway, you have to try it if you like meat, of course. So that's what you had as an antipasto. You skipped the primi. 
and you went straight away. I gave you a few options there too. So I talked about abrazzato, which is like a long cooked meat from Piedmont with a sort of sauce, like a gravy with vegetables and usually Barolo, so the most famous uh, red wine from Piedmont. Or I told you we had a filet or we had tagliata. Now the word tagliata literally means cut, like something that was cut in the feminine singular because bistecca, so steak is feminine singular. So basically we take a steak, we cook it, rare, mm -hmm, almost blue, but let's say rare or very rare. And it's grilled, very dark and brown on the outside. So it's caramelized very well. And then we cut it. I mean, we, the, the, the restaurant owners, the chef cuts it and serve it already cut into slices, uh, not that thick with uh, some, something on top. It could be arugula and Parmesan cheese. It could be mushrooms like you chose, fungi. It could be truffles, tartuffi. It could be a reduction of any red wine, so a, a wine sauce or anything. And it's pretty good and pretty common. So you had a tagliata. And then I, oh, the wine, sorry. You chose all this. And then I asked you about the wine and you said you trusted my sommelier expertise. And I brought you a wine from Piedmont, not Barolo, because you see Barolo is a very good and very expensive wine. And it would be best to uh, let it breathe, so open it in advance. We have decanters, of course, but it was only you. And as I already mentioned before in this podcast, food and wine, good food and good wine for us are company friends it's being together it's uh we say convivialità there's the word con in here so together it's something you have to do together you were all alone tonight so i decided that a uh, less expensive wine would be just fine uh again from piedmont um i think i gave you a barbera yeah barbera dusty that is also pretty good and i mentioned the ocg which is the highest appellation for wines in italy so it means that it really comes from that very specific area after you had your dinner i came to you and asked if everything was fine how you liked your dinner and you said it was amazing of course thank you and i offered you a dessert because we are sort of colleagues, right? You have a cafe in town. I have a restaurant so we could, yeah, help each other out. And I brought you a tris. Uno, due, tre. Mm -hmm. Well, uno, we don't have anything else. Then we say bis to say twice and tris to say three times. So there you go. Uh, three different desserts right there. And I think, well, I chose the most iconic Italian desserts. So it was tiramisu in a modern key something. And then panna cotta with salted caramel, I think, because I really like that. And now I really want some panna cotta. With <laughs> yes. caramel, but okay. And then some cookies, the most famous cookies from Tuscany, Cantucci, and the most famous cookies from Piedmont, Crumiri, the original ones, with a shot, so a tiny glass of, sweet dessert wine and I brought you a Tuscan wine this time that's Vinsanto Vinsanto 
Well, it was an amazing meal. I can tell you uh, it was really fantastic. I must have really been in the mood for meat tonight because I basically just had a meal of wine, meat, and desserts. <laughs> but you also brought me two of my favorite desserts. And panna cotta is just absolutely one of my top favorite desserts of all time. Even before I moved to Italy, it was one of my favorite desserts. I've never had it with salted caramel, but that was a lovely treat. Of course, I mean, can ever go wrong with tiramisu. And the cookies, of course, were delicious because I'd never tasted any of those cookies before. So, and the wine, I, I don't know if you realize that you also chose one of my favorite wines. Barbera is one of my favorite varietals of wine. So you chose- I didn't even know that. Yeah, so it was the perfect- I mean, Lavinia was like reading my mind. It was perfect. So anyway, it was interesting, Vera, when you and I were getting ready to record this, and we always have a nice kind of visit before each one of our segments, we started talking about uh, how we would set up our scene at this restaurant together. And I was like, well, yeah, you know, uh, maybe Giorgio happens to walk into Lavinia's restaurant and there she is just walking past and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's at her restaurant. Like, what is she doing there? I don't understand. And I realized we had a completely different idea of what it means to either be an owner of a restaurant in Italy versus the United States or be a manager of a restaurant. Could you break down a little bit of what we talked about and why we discovered so many differences in what it means to be a restaurateur in Italy versus the United States? So... If you've been to Italy already, or if you just browse and, you know, internet and look for Italian restaurants, you will see that they are small, very, very small, like 20 tables. It's a big restaurant because, well, of course, because we are in Italy and streets are narrow and the houses are smaller. We're not in the United States. We don't have that much room, but also our food is made right there for you when you order it that's why uh for example if you order risotto you're gonna it's gonna take like 20 minutes 30 minutes because we cook it just for you so the chef is really there in the kitchen they have a few things already prepared what they could make in advance but then everything is made from scratch right there the moment you order it then we have the economical problem I don't know why I'm not an expert, but here in Italy, it's very expensive to have employees. So for uh, employers to hire people, it's really expensive for taxes that they have to pay. So basically every business in Italy, any kind of business is understaffed. And that's a big problem. Everyone has to do everything. That's why it also takes so long to do anything in Italy, you know that. And anyway, back to the restaurant. So basically, I know many restaurant owners and they are either the chef or they're married to the chef or, you know, brothers and sisters, parents and kids, and they all work there. My favorite restaurant, unfortunately, it closed uh, in 2020, 2019. But it was the wife in the kitchen and the husband as a waiter, as a host, like greeting you when you arrive, taking reservations. And if you call to get a reservation there, he might have been at the supermarket grocery shopping, you know. 
is just a family business. And most restaurants are like this. I told you already that in my little town, there are two Michelin star restaurants. So some of the best restaurants in Italy, and that is some of the best restaurants in the world. Sorry, I brag, but you know, I'm Italian, so I can brag about food. And one is owned by husband and wife. He's the chef and she does everything. She brings you the dishes and she takes your dirty dishes for you and brings them to the kitchen. And then of course they have someone who washes the dishes there. But see, you see what I mean? There's not a single restaurant owner home and just checking in uh, at the end of the month to see how much he or she gave. There is no way you find an office in a restaurant. In America, you have that, right? A room in the back or something. There's an office. There's the owner or the restaurant manager there with all the bills. No, no, no such a thing. Uh, such a thing here in Italy. So basically, there might be an owner who's not there, but then he... Re- they really don't know anything about the restaurant. They just own the walls or the building, for example, or just part of a bigger project like a hotel too. So basically the owner is right there doing something, the chef or in the in the room, so we say, in servizio. So that's, that's what was so weird. And I know that when you go to an American restaurant in the United States, or sorry, a, a restaurant in the United States, it could be an Italian restaurant, you have usually a hostess with a big book, right? Do you have a reservation? And then you can wait and then uh, they bring you to your table and have you sit there. Well, no such a thing in Italy. First of all, we cannot afford to pay someone to just stay there and say, welcome. Okay, (laughs) that's too expensive. And then uh, we start having dinner not earlier than 7.30, and that is already an early dinner. And every single dinner in a restaurant lasts like three hours, two hours and a half, three hours average, even four if you want. So there's no turnover of the tables. You get a table for the night and that's yours all night. Now, especially in more touristic areas, you have restaurants having a turnover because they have an early dinner for Americans and now actually also Northern European and um, sort of a lot of tourists from other parts of the world having dinner at 6, 6.30 real quick because you don't have this antipasto primo and secondo dessert and then we chat a little bit and then we have another coffee and then maybe, okay, you don't have this, so you're quick. And by 7.38, when we want to have our dinner, mm-hmm. you're back at the hotel already. So, but in Italian restaurants, for Italians, regular ones, no touristy area, there's no need for someone to tell you where's your table because they have 10 tables, 10 reservations, that's it for the night. And finally, the restaurant is so small. Your table is the one right, right, right there. It's three steps. You don't need to be seated, you know, like it happens in some restaurants in the United States where you start walking and you're like, am I even eating in this restaurant? It's taking me somewhere else because this is so huge. So there's no hostess there. And we usually have one waiter per restaurant, or if the restaurant is a little bit bigger, you might have a single waiter for different areas of the restaurant. 
In other European countries, you have one waiter just to bring you plates and cutlery and you know water, and then another one that takes the order and so on. So they have different tasks. In Italy, they do everything. So maybe one waiter does table one, two, three, four, and five, and the other one six, seven, eight, and nine. So that's that's how it works. You might have in very fancy restaurant a sommelier, so someone who's only in charge of the wines, but then in very, very fancy restaurants. Usually there's one waiter who's an expert and will just stop by to ask you about your wines. So interesting. It's so different. And it's almost like because of the expense of having employees, it has it really changes the way restaurants work in Italy. I mean, it really has a lot to do with the cost of employment, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. It also has a lot to do with just different cultural habits and traditions, isn't it? I mean, it's it's hugely related to the fact that you come, you sit, you have a dinner, all the tables for that night are taken, and that's it. Story's over. Like, if you come to an Italian restaurant and you see all the tables filled, in the United States, we would say, oh, well, we'll just wait. We'll wait 30 minutes for a table. Not going to happen in Italy, is it? No. It happens in pizzerie. So those special restaurants where you only have pizza or they might have one or two primo and one or two secondo, but it's like more a casual, uh, informal environment. It's basically uh, the Italian version of your fast food. But we are in Italy, so our fast food is a pizza about one hour. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I, I found that very interesting that when I started talking about being the owner of a restaurant and you, it was like, you were just like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? We don't have this idea of a restaurant manager or a restaurant owner. It's like everything is done. If you're the owner, you're there working, cooking or waiting tables or bringing wine or you're, you're, you're part of the staff. You're not just this person that's off to the side watching things. And like you said, sort of lining your pockets with all the money from that week or that month, you're, you're literally part of the working staff. Yes, you are. And that's the best part because you see, it's not being a restaurant owner here in Italy. It's not something anyone can do just because they want to invest in something. It's people who know a lot about food because they love cooking, for example, they are chefs, they are, or even if they are waiters, but they know about food and what kind of food to buy and so on and to choose. So they are owner, chef, manager, and waiter all at the same time. So they do their best, really, because, you know, maybe a waiter is just an employee and is just doing that for a short period of time while finishing off college or whatever, and, you know, I don't even bother. Who cares? And why here, it's their job, which is at stake. They want to do their best because it's their restaurants. Like the whole thing belongs to them. And you're sure that the quality is always the best. They would never just do something too quick or not perfect because it's their life. It's basically their work, their job is their life. And it's very tiring and exhausting. And in the past few years here in Italy, we have 
we are experiencing actually still now um, this lack of um, staff. So it's not only that every single restaurant or business is understaffed, now it's even difficult to find staff because of course the owner is one, maybe a little family, but otherwise they do hire a chef or they do hire help for the kitchen and the tables. And it's difficult to find them because if it's not yours, then it's like, oh, that's so tiring. I'm not going to do that. Mm. Many differences between the two different countries that you and I are both from. And it's really good. You shared things as you usually do in your wonderful segment. You shared wonderful things that I never knew about. Well, thank you, Vera. Thank you so much. Vera, would you like to take a moment and discuss where people can find you uh, if they would like to hire you, not just to be their Italian expert, but to also be their Italian language coach? Well, yeah, because I don't own a restaurant in Tuscany. I'm a language coach. And I would be more than happy to help you get, you know, to a point where you're satisfied with your Italian and uh, where you get fluent for what you need. So I love giving private lessons and we also have, I also do group lessons and you can find me on Instagram, of course, Kikegram, uh, now I'll spell it out for you. Or uh, my website is www.kikelanguage.com. Now, Kike is spelled C-H-I-C-C-H-E, Kike. And it means something really small and nice and cute. Could be like bonbon or jam or tidbit, you know, all these tiny, tiny things, because that's what languages are about, small things, even learning how restaurants work in Italy. Well, thank you so much for that. If you weren't able to catch the spelling of Kike, all of the links for Vera's website are on my website. You can go to imovingtoitaly.com, go to the section on the website, the page called Learn Italian, and that'll take you directly to Vera's website. So check that out. And thank you so much, Vera. Grazie mille a te e ci vediamo settimana prossima. See you next week. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao. Oh, thank you so much, Vera. That was really, really great. We can't have one of our La Vera Italia segments without coming away a lot smarter and a lot more aware of what Italy really is like. Thank you, Vera. And I mentioned that in the first part of this episode, I mentioned that I was, you know, feeling like a little bit disconnected from, from family and home and my, my grandmother in the hospital. And one of the beautiful things that's going to happen with you in Italy is you're going to find your people here too. And Vera is certainly one of those people for me that I've found that is my family in Italy. I'm claiming her. Now, whether or not she claims me back, that's a whole other thing, but she doesn't really have a choice because she's claimed. <laughs> I'm just glad that her husband, Luca, who is such a sweet man, I'm glad that he's willing to share his wife with me a little bit each week and with all of you, of course. So, Vera, I just want to tell you, we all just love and adore you. We're so glad that you're here. And you're not just my family here in Italy. Everybody else that's listening, I know, has claimed you too. And so, thank you. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're feeling better. And thank you. Thank you so much. We just we just really, really appreciate you, Vera. 
All right, well, that brings us to our surrounding sound for this week's episode. I just have one. The surrounding sound I have for you today is Alessandro's mother bringing me some medicine. <laughs> and she, she, Alessandro told her, Nathan's sick. You got to go buy him some medicine. I told Alessandro, no, I don't want any medicine. I'm not taking medicine. I'm just going to drink tea and have chicken broth and I'm going to get over this on my own. It's going to be fine. I don't want to take anything. I don't like medicine. He's like, well, okay, fine, whatever. Well, he tells his mom that I'm feeling sick and I have bronchitis or something. And so she brings me this, this Italian medicine. I'm, it's, I'm, it's right here on my desk. It's actually called Bislovan. Maybe if you ever move to Italy, you will take this. It's a tosse sedativo. That believe I believe that means a cough suppressant. And it's senza zucchero, which means it's sugar-free. Aroma lime e mele. So it's the flavor of lime and apple. And you're supposed to suck on it. And so anyway, in the surrounding sound, you will hear Alessandro's mother giving me the instructions on how to take this and how often to take this. She's reading the instructions to me. Very sweet. And uh, anyway, I've been taking it. So here's the sound of Alessandro's mother bringing me this medicine and telling me how to take it yesterday. On Sunday. She did it on Sunday, which was very sweet of her. So enjoy the surrounding sound. I'll be back afterwards to say goodbye. Okay. Uh, nelle 24 ore ok quindi Sei la giornata è fatta di 24 sì. ogni 4 ore ti prendi una caramella ok perché per 6 volte ho capito capito sì 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 ok una alla volta da sciogliere in bocca sì non masticare sciogliere sciogliere è una caramella capito eh. ok ok Grazie, poi se hai febbre sì Queste se c'è febbre o hai dolore? Sì. No, no, hai febbre. Febbre no. No. Se hai dolore, eh, prendi una ogni sei ore. Queste compresse. Tachipirina? Sì, okay. tachipirina. Ok. Vedi, sta scritto qua. Grazie. Te sì. ne lascio una. Poi se hai bisogno te ne porto altre. Sì, però aspetta, mamma. Ho tachipirina qui. Sì. Da mille. Sì, questo è uguale. È uguale? Sì. Ma però non ho bisogno che hai. Hai. Ah, oh. Ok. Grazie però. Ho oh. sì. tanti. Però questa 500 ne devi prendere uh, 1000 perché tu sei adulto. Ok. Capito? Sì. Ne devi prendere due. Ho capito. Se hai dolori. Ho capito. Pure se hai febbre. Capito? Ok, ok. Una mattina e una sera. Sì, grazie. Eh. No, però... Due giorni fa io alzo con questa, come si dice? Ti senti muti qua? Eh, bronchite? Bronchite, sì. Mi dispiace. Uh, uh, Lui per la bronchite a me ha dato... Sì? Antibiotico? No, no antibiotico. No, è... Senza febbre, anch'io avevo tosse. Sì. Però per togliere questo mi ha dato antibiotico. Capito? Sì, sì, sì. 
Comunque vediamo, dai, se è così io ho qualcosa, capito? I hope you enjoyed that surrounding sound from this week's episode. Thank you, Antonietta, my mother-in-law. Thank you so much for bringing me this Italian medicine. It's helping. It's working. Grazie mille. Thanks for sharing this adventure with me. I wouldn't want to do this without you. I couldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. Thanks to our sponsors, really quickly, uh, Babbel Language and ExpressVPN. You know how much I love these two companies. They are our sponsors and I use these products. Make sure you go to my website, imovingtoitaly.com. Check out the links, of course, like we said earlier, to Vera. Make sure you get Vera to be your personal Italian language coach before she's too busy and can't take on any more clients, because that day is coming. Anyway, she's already so busy that sometimes when I want to talk to her, she's not available. I'm just like, what are you doing, Vera? And she's like, I'm teaching people Italian. I'm just like, oh, geez, I'm shooting myself in the foot here. My favorite Italian friend is now so busy teaching all of you Italian, she doesn't have time to talk to me. <laughs> anyway, well, my friend, I look forward to being back here with you next week for the first episode of Season 5. Wherever you are listening to the sound of my voice today, I hope you are healthy and well. I look forward to being back here with you next week for another episode. So until then, take care. God bless. Ciao, ciao, ciao.